I was telling Brian, I have, a, I have what I call a wireless desktop, and it was not plugged in. And in that case, I have anywhere between 1 and 30 minutes before it cuts out, and it cut out in about 2. But it's wireless. He just unplugged because he was getting roasted. That was what it was. Yeah, I, it was. Yeah, it was, that's it was, what it sounds like to me. The heat, I think it was all the heat you guys were throwing at me. It caused it yeah, that, that sounds off. more accurate. Yeah. fourth and short podcast the csr official podcast i'm joined here by john d long and bradley smith how are you guys doing tonight i'm doing well good good so the panthers obviously just played their most recent preseason game and the first one of the year um they ended up winning that one which you know yay us they won a game that meant nothing but some of the players stood out and did a good job. Uh, I'll start with you, BW. Uh, who impressed you the most in this uh, preseason game? Since I know who you're going to say, <laughs> let you take your favorite. Well, I'm I'm going to surprise you, and and I'm going to pull a fast one on you. I'm actually going to say Kalen Clay surprised me and impressed Ooh. me. Um, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought that he made a very good case to be the sixth wide receiver on the depth chart. Uh, he's got a lot of speed. That's one thing that the Panthers definitely need. Um, we do have Demir Bird uh, kind of taking that Ted Ginn role, but we need somebody else. You know, Demir Bird can't can't be the only speed guy that we have on on the wide receiver depth chart. So uh, I think that sixth spot is probably more important than anything else. And I think Kalen Clay uh, made a case to take the goat Brenton Burson's place on the roster. Well, let me play devil's advocate. So you got Kalen Clay, Damir. Damir Bird, uh, Curtis Samuel seems to be practicing again. He's another speedy guy. So you you really think the Panthers would keep Samuel, Clay, and Bird? Can never I have too much so. speed. Yeah, you can't just like John just said. You can never have too much speed. I mean, it's we have three guys that that win with size. You know, we've got Benjamin. Uh, and Funchess and Greg Olson, he wins with his size, too, as a tight end. Uh, we also have Russell Shepard, who wins with precise route running. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem like that bad of an idea to have three guys that can win with speed. I don't think you're ever going to look at your roster and be like, mm, we got we too many to fast slower. guys. We got too many fast guys here. Let's get somebody a little yeah. bit slower, a little bit less you know, athletic. We, <laughs> yeah, we need to be slower and, and less athletic uh, because we're too good. <clears throat> I hate being all too right. good at stuff. All right, all right. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and just ignore the fact that you talked about cutting uh, Brenton Burson. So, uh, John, who impressed you the most in this uh, preseason game? Taylor Moten. Taylor Moten. Because he looked passable in two different spots in his first ever professional action. That's not a bad, not a bad start to your career, playing right tackle and left guard. Two completely different positions. 
No, definitely not. Um, Moten obviously playing as the primary backup to Norwell was a good thing. Yeah, I didn't see uh, that coming when we drafted him. I thought we drafted him just to be a tackle. But I'm not going to complain if he can do more. Hey, the more yeah, they can I, do. I, I did too. I, I thought we just drafted him to be a tackle. It is refreshing to see them putting him all across the offensive line, though. It also speaks highly of his uh, his mental aptitude. We can A lot of times guys come in and they're like, we're just going to give him one thing to worry about so he doesn't get overwhelmed. And then Taylor comes in, we're like, we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at him and let him learn it all. Straight out of his small school. Indeed, indeed. So I'll throw out my guy that impressed me. And uh, there's a couple guys that, that really impressed me. I mean, Jared Norris led the team in uh, tackles, surprisingly. Um, Deshaun Hall had a good showing. Uh, the, just, my one thing with Hall is that he's like, um, he gets a little too far up the field too quickly on at times. Yeah, but that's he, something where. But you, I did like you can coast. Yeah, that's something where you can coach the guy, the kid to oh, yeah. play to use that better. So, definitely a rookie thing that can be coached into him. The guy who really impressed me though was Joe Webb. He had himself a heck of a game for the third <laughs> quarterback for the Panthers. I mean, I felt that he made a case to be the primary backup to Cam Newton's with the way he played. I mean, he's got obviously he already has a scrambling ability, but he threw two nice touchdowns to Demir Bird and had several good throws and uh, the two scrambles that kept drives go alive on third and long. I mean, that's something that Anderson just doesn't bring to the table. And obviously Webb already brings the special teams and uh, wide receiver aspects of the game. So that's something where he's going to keep his roster spot regardless. But he, he impressed me a lot. Guy's got a decent arm. Clearly you forgot about our Monday night football game against Tampa Bay last year where Derek Anderson shut off the wheels. And fumble. Yep. <laughs> um, how crazy would it be if our backup? I just think the thing is, um, even if Joe Webb was the primary backup, I think we'd still have to keep all three of them on the roster because Joe Webb, unless we take Joe Webb off of all the special team stuff, because that I don't think would. I think that'd be a first if your backup quarterback is also doubles on kick coverage and punt coverage and returns some kicks here and there. Well, yeah, I mean, like, losing, yeah. if, if he got hurt on those plays, then and then your quarterback got hurt in some crazy, unlucky sequence of events, then you have no quarterbacks aside from whoever your third emergency quarterback is, who is typically not a quarterback, so. Yeah, we just yeah. throw Christian McCaffrey back there. Yep. Well, see, I think we could afford to do this if we kept somebody like, you know, Brenton Burst and Kalen Clay, an extra, you know, wide receiver or an extra running back, we could carry just two quarterbacks and make one of those two quarterbacks Joe Webb. You know, I, I think the problem could be solved. Um, and I've been somewhat against making Joe Webb the second quarterback because, you know, Derek Anderson has a lot of experience. Uh, he's an older guy. He's not going to start unless something is tragically wrong with Cam Newton. But I just looked it up, and I didn't realize this until I did. Joe Webb is 30 years old. Yes, he is. So he, he's not exactly like a 23-year-old guy that, that should work his way up through the system. So, um, you know, it might be time to cut bait with Derek Anderson. I did. So that came up on in a comment section today. I don't remember what the article was. But um, there has been the quarterback controversy of Anderson over Webb. I think it's going to take more than one good preseason showing as a third-string quarterback to, even, to make that uh, 
a realistic discussion, at least among the I do too. staff. But um, somebody came, somebody mentioned something like, "Yeah, Joe Webb can. Or I think he'll improve over the next couple of years and maybe be able to take that backup spot." It's like Joe Webb's thirty. Um, he hasn't yeah. played. He is what he is at this point. Oh yeah, his last meaningful game of quarterback was like was that Vikings Packers playoff game where he went like eleven for thirty and was just all around not good and they lost badly. I do have a funny story about Joe Webb as a quarterback, just to share it for I like stories. The funsies. Um, so I have a friend in New Jersey who was a huge, huge, huge Brett Favre fan, and uh, his girlfriend's present to him at the time was a ticket to well, two tickets to the Eagles Vikings game when Brett Favre was a quarterback for the Vikings. And she bought those several weeks in advance. And the week before that game, Brett Favre went down with an injury. So this is the first so, game that Brett Favre ever missed? Yep. <laughs> oh, <So> man. <laughs> my poor friend had to go to a game, well, went to a game where his favorite player wasn't even playing because he was hurt. And all of a sudden, Joe Webb comes out there at quarterback for the Vikings and manages to pull out a win. And the whole time, I'm texting him saying, Joe Webb, savior of the franchise. Joe Webb, he's got this. He's the GOAT. He was the GOAT before Brenton Burson was the GOAT, in my opinion. You and, your, uh, your original GOAT? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my friend was just cracking up at it the whole time. But it was just funny. It was a funny piece of irony because, you know, he was kind of a Vikings fan because Brett Favre was their quarterback. And Joe Webb led them to a win over the Eagles. And he lived in... Uh, around Philadelphia, so that was fun. <laughs> and I hear he is as a quarterback, wide receiver, special team, punt returner for the Panthers. <laughs> Just like everybody thought he would be. You're damn right. You know, who I'm, you know who I'm interested in seeing going back to the Panthers since, you know, this is an actual Panthers, you know, podcast. Um, Fine. You know, uh, but I'm interested in what Garrett Gilbert can do. I know he's only played against the the Texans' fourth string, but I thought he looked pretty decent on you know last Wednesday. I'd like to see him play against some second stringers and see you know what the kids got. We know what we have in Cam, and he's probably not going to play on Saturday. Uh, I think they're going to hold him out until the Jacksonville game, which would be smart. Um, we know what Derek Anderson is at this point. We know what Joe Webb is at this point. We don't really know what Garrett Gilbert is at this point. And for a game that doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't make one bit of a difference who wins this game on Saturday. Why not just let Garrett Gilbert play from like middle of the second quarter through the rest of the game? You know, see what he's got. I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, I'll tell you what Garrett Gilbert will be. I can't tell you what he is now, but he won't be on the roster. I don't know. He might. He might steal that third spot as the third quarterback. Crazier things have happened. Crazier Uh, things have happened, but, I mean, Webb provides enough added value, and Anderson is obviously a veteran quarterback. I mean... The kid's good. I would expect the Panthers to have him on speed dial if something tragic happens to, like, two of their three quarterbacks. But I just don't know if they'll keep him around because of that. But I'm not – I'm an armchair GM, so obviously I'm not infallible here. So you may was, have a good point there. Was he in camp with us last year? 
No, he wasn't. He was with the Rams last year. Okay, I just yeah, I we had this... a different we had a different camp arm last year. Okay. I can't remember who it was now. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I've. I don't know now, if Gilbert maybe... warranted a late round pick in the draft. I he mean, did. he's not he's no scrub. So I'm going to be honest. I know nothing about Garrett Gilbert. Hand up. I didn't even know who he was when I saw <laughs> when we were sitting there watching practice. I didn't even know who he was. So yeah, you know. We thought he was. We thought he was like the other punter. Like we didn't even know he was the quarterback. Why is that punter wearing a red jersey? Yeah. But but since we didn't we didn't mention the easy names, but obviously Demir Bird was probably the, the MVP of Week One. Yeah, yeah. I I joked and said Kalen Clay just because Brian said I would be predictable. But you know, Demir Bird was the best player on the field on on Wednesday. It's only because. Yeah. It's only because Burson went down with his with his leg injury and had to go get some ice on that. <laughs> that those things, like <clears throat> as bad as it is, if you like tear something, I feel like those impact just like he had what knee in the quad. Yeah, he yeah, got something like, a, like that. That hurts so bad. Like I've gotten knee in the quad playing basketball and could not walk for like two days afterwards. Like it, it was, it those those hurt. All right. Um, <laughs> and the other one, um, I guess, did you have anything else, Brian, before I transition to something Panthers? Oh, no, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, by all Obviously, means. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey was impressive. I liked how, I don't know if it was, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but I enjoyed that we, um, that we uh, basically did the one thing people thought he wouldn't be able to do and just gave him the ball up up the middle in between the tackles like six times. And he yeah, I love did that well too. With that. And it's like, oh look, he can do that well. And I saw on the free game show, I think it was David Carr said something about like, oh, I don't know if Mike Shul know how to utilize him correctly and all that stuff that we've seen people saying all offseason. And I hate seeing that because it implies that Christian McCaffrey's only good if you put him in the exact cir- right circumstances. And as I feel like the total opposite of what's appealing about Christian McCaffrey in that he's good at everything so it requires no special thought into making him in a position to succeed because he'll just succeed at whatever you let him do. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, I agree with you. I... I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't understand the whole will he use improperly argument. It, you know, of course yeah. he will. It's like if you, he's an NFL coach for a reason. I mean, well, if you you can hand it off to him, like what's use what's the wrong way to use him? I mean, I know you like there is a way to use him that doesn't utilize everything he can do, but it's not like having Tavon Austin and putting him outside and telling him to run go routes. Like if you if you do give the ball to Christian McCaffrey up the middle over and over and over again, it's gonna work fine. If you but if it's it's not like there's only good if you pass him the ball, only good on the outside, or only good as a wide receiver. Yeah. And pretty... I... Go ahead. I was going to say, somebody commented this on CSR today, and I don't remember who it was, but if you're listening, you know, kudos to you. Um, but it, it changes the game plan for the Panthers. You know, week one, we can give it to Christian McCaffrey, you know, nine carries, uh, split him out wide five times run a reverse with him twice, you know, line him up in the wildcat once, um, all these different things. Next week, 
we can, you know, run Christian McCaffrey 20 times and throw a screen to Jonathan Stewart. You know, the next week we can only line him out in the slot. The next week, you know, we can bring him back and, and you know, mix things up again. So teams can't game plan against the Panthers when they have someone like McCaffrey uh, who, who you can use. Like, you know, going back to John's point, you can't use him the wrong way. I mean, it's it's virtually impossible to do. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point, Brad. Um, I was, as I've self-admittedly, at least in the past, I thought that McCaffrey was more of a Danny Woodhead type guy where decent receiver out of the backfield, you run him sometimes on the perimeter, but no, he is not that based on what I've seen of his practices. And even with the Titans, where those guys don't give a crap about hurting that guy. He has the skill set to be a great slot receiver in the NFL, and he also has the skill set to be a great running back in the NFL. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, no matter what you do with this guy, he has the the co- the he has the the skill set and the mental aspects of it to be successful at what you do. It's not something where he has a gap in his game as a running back or a receiver. He does all those things well. About the only thing you can't expect from him is him running through three or four 400-pound guys for a one-yard gain because of his size. But other than that, the guy has everything. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't give it to him on like, fourth and goal at the one, you know, in a, in a tie mm-hmm. game. You know, but Mike, exactly right, though. Like, Mike Shula, it's going to be hard for Mike Shula to use him incorrectly because... You line him up in the slot. You line him up at running back. You run a, line him up in like an H-back type role. Whatever route or running thing he's running, he knows how to do it, and he knows how to do it well. And that's yeah, something where he came tailor-made for those roles. It's yeah, not it's something like, where you have to teach them that. It's like the only thing we could way to use him wrong would be to like line him up as a lead-blocking <clears throat> fullback for Jonathan Stewart. And yeah, that's, that's about the only thing you can do that would be considered quote-unquote wrong. Or put him so, in tackle. Yeah, or put him in left guard. Yeah, but um, one thing I, I just – I cannot wait until games count and we can put him out there, you know, Every line way. him up wide, you know, put him in motion, line him up wide, get him in the slot, drop a screen pass to him, get him in space, and watch him just juke the crap out of people. You know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that for the first time. I, I could watch Christian McCaffrey loops from these Twitter videos uh, all day. Uh, he's been doing it yeah. against the Titans, too, where he's making linebackers run in circles. He's got a DB on him that he makes one cut, and the DB is off the screen for the rest of the clip. I yeah, I, I love watching that crap. Like, I, I'm going on – I'm finding myself going on YouTube and watching his college highlights, and he does I, the exact <laughs> same thing. I, mean, I did that again lately, three, some recently, too. Yeah, that that one punt return against Iowa in the bowl game where he makes um, I cannot remember the linebacker's name Jewel I think it is he puts him on roller skates I mean he makes him look like a an amateur does not even deserve to be on the field player and you know it he makes it look like like it's effortless like he's not even trying which is why um, I think there might have I, I think we mentioned this last episode there there were talk where somebody said that. He doesn't look like he's that quick, and I think it just—it's the efficiency of his movement and how effort, effortlessly he makes his cuts that make it maybe deceptive. He's 
not to be racist or code words, <laughs> but he's just makes them deceptively quick. Yeah, he's sneaky fast. And one thing I last noticed, guy, oh, first ahead. guy on the field, last guy off the field. Yes, right there. Yeah, he's like a coach on the field. I feel like we've gone through this list of of uh, <laughs> accolades like once per episode since we started this. But so there was one thing I wanted to mention about Christian McCaffrey. Um, that so I watched the Jaguars Patriots preseason game because I saw that Jacksonville scored like a million long touchdowns in their game, and I was like, oh, that's gonna be an exciting game to watch. And uh, in case you missed the news, Leonard Fournette does play for the Jaguars, and he could not be more different than Christian McCaffrey. Like there's, they play running back in the exact opposite manners. Like Christian McCaffrey is very patient. He kind of bobs and weaves his way through holes. He finds opening, he hits it, and he makes people miss in the open field. Leonard Fournette takes a handoff at full speed. The first hole he sees, he just goes ramming through, just battering ram, until he ends up tripping over people. Every single carry. It's like all brute force. And not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's just the total opposite of how McCaffrey plays running back. I thought that was interesting. Well, um... I was a big advocate of taking Fournette only because I was looking at it with the whole Cam Newton, Jonathan Stewart power rushing game worked for the 2015 offense. Yeah. They beat the crap out of the other team and you had, you needed at least two or three people to bring people down. That said, you know, in hindsight, McCaffrey answers a lot more problems for the Panthers than Fournette would have. Fournette basically would have answered the heir apparent to Jonathan Stewart as far as the punishing, bruising power back, where McCaffrey answers the compliment to Greg Olson, slot receiver, and compliment to Jonathan Stewart answers. So, I don't think... I think Fournette will be a good player simply because he's he's so athletic, and he's so just... He's such a brutal runner, but the Panthers... In my opinion, in hindsight, after the draft, this was the better pick for them. Yeah, it gives you two options. You can either start with Christian McCaffrey and let him juke you out of juke you out of your shoes, and then you can bring in Jonathan Stewart and just let him run all over you. Or you can start the game with Jonathan Stewart and let him battering ram his way through your defense, and then let Christian McCaffrey loose on a tired defense who's been trying to tackle Jonathan Stewart all day. So. It, it brings a different uh, a different focus to the offense. And, you know, going back to Leonard Fournette, and I feel like it's important to say this, he's going to be a good player. You know, I don't think anybody really disagrees with that statement. I mean, he was drafted fifth for a reason. He's going to be good. And that's okay. I mean, <clears throat> that's a you, don't ha- you don't have to hate on Leonard Fournette for Christian McCaffrey to be validated as a good NFL running back. They can both be good. They can both be successful, you know, in their own way. And that's fine. It's not like Leonard Fournette being good, you know, winning the AFC rushing title. That doesn't devalue what Christian McCaffrey does for the Panthers. They're on different teams. They're on different you know they're in different conferences. They're not even going to play each other. That but once every four years, it's it's okay to like both. Well, 
Yeah, you know, I guess that's a good point because we've already seen that some where people are like, ha ha ha, Leonard Fournette got just in a game with an injury. Stupid. And it's like, okay, half the fan base is all about this guy before he was on another team. Like, there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong. It's the same stuff we've seen with Cam Newton uh, where every single rookie, not rookie, but younger quarterback that's come out in or after Cam Newton where we see a large portion of our fan base and try to find anything they can to discredit every single other young quarterback that comes through, as if uh, that make Cam, as if Cam Newton needs their defense, or if that even helps make Cam Newton look better. Like it's okay. Cam yeah, Newton I don't understand that. Doesn't have to be either. the best quarterback in the NFL for him to be a good quarterback for us. It's okay. Exactly. I mean, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Yes, Marcus Mariota is a good quarterback. But he's good. When he's healthy, Andrew Luck is a good quarterback. Carson Wentz is an okay quarterback. Hey, I think he's pretty bad, but he might be an okay quarterback. Okay, okay <laughs> is probably being generous, but you know yeah. he's not—he's not quite on the same level as Derek Carr, you know, Andrew no. Luck, all those guys. But there's potential there. You know, yeah. it, he's not like Jared Goff. Yeah, I'll give him that. <laughs> um, there, there's potential there for something good. Ouch. Uh, I'm trying to think of other young quarterbacks that are good. Russell Wilson is a good quarterback. Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. Can I? Ooh, uh, ooh, can I cut you off and say something about Jameis Winston while we're complaining about? Uh, yeah, sure. Antics. If you're going to complain about people saying scam Newton, you're not allowed to call Jameis Winston crab legs. I've said that yes, a lot in comment you. sections. But yeah. um, if you you're going to like, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to cry foul when another fan base on their own site it's like, oh, they're a bunch of stupid idiots and still call them scam. That's such an old joke, and then you're going to go in and call Jameis Winston crab legs for something he did when he was the same age Cam Newton was when he had his yeah, issues. Yeah, you, you lose your credibility yeah. when you do that. You can't do that. That's bad. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> you know. Now, if, if you want to not get mad when somebody says scam, that's fine. Then, then you can call, make fun of Jameis. Call you whatever know, you want. Um, but, you know, it, it's okay for Cam to be Cam – and for Russell Wilson to be good, for Jameis to be good, for all, Derek Carr, all these guys to be good, it's okay. It's not like there's only one good quarterback in the NFL and it has to be Cam Newton. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I do wish other fan bases would would kind of, you know, respect Cam Newton a little bit more and see that that he is more than just the guy who dresses like a – uh, a popsicle and where <laughs> and types and weird fonts on Instagram and all that other crap, but whatever. Um, we know what he can do on the field and it doesn't take anything away from that, that another guy can do similar good things. Yeah. It, it, it's fine. Especially now, like Cam Newton's an MVP. Like, yeah. He won the MVP, MVP award. We went 15 and one and we came within, you know, a couple of bad calls here and there of winning the Super Bowl. So yeah, he's proven himself. We don't. He's we proven don't himself. And last year, when the Panthers went six and ten, you know, well, Cam Newton sucks. His completion percentage sucks. Blah 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 blah. Uh, well, he was hurt. He was concussed. We didn't have an offensive line. Um, and it was just a down year. It those things don't take away from the fact that he's still a good quarterback. It you know yeah. it, it just blows my mind that people have to get so defensive over it. I, I just that's one of those things I I will never understand. By the way, when you did that voice, you sounded like Officer Barbrady from South Park. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking on Leonard Fournette, we're talking about him being a good player. He, in his first game, uh, he looked like he reminded me of how Ezekiel Elliott looked in his preseason last year with how aggressive he was, and Ezekiel Elliott had to learn to be patient and wait for his blocks and stuff. So Fournette has to do that, but he definitely had that same sort of burst and power that Elliott showed. Not to say he will be as good as Ezekiel Elliott was, because that's a high bar to set, but it was pretty reminiscent of that. And it's okay if Leonard Fournette comes out and runs 1,400 yards. Doesn't mean the Panthers messed up, because we had no shot at him anyway. Yeah, they drafted before us. And, you know, hot take alert. I think we were going to take Christian McCaffrey regardless. If we would have picked fourth, I think Christian McCaffrey would have been the fourth pick in the draft. The only player that I truly believe would have been taken instead of Christian McCaffrey is Solomon Thomas. Yeah, from based on what we the the word on the streets leading up to the draft. Yeah, that that's the only guy that I think Dave Gettleman at the time would have taken instead of McCaffrey. I think he would have drafted the defensive lineman because that's what he does. Um, <laughs> We're just going to you know, draft defensive linemen every single year. Yeah, yeah, just draft round. defensive linemen every year and kill your quarterback. Yes, and then sign Matt Khalil to be your savior. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> the other thing that, to take, that I took away from that Jacksonville Patriots game that serves no relevance to the Panthers at all uh, was that, and I told you guys this, the Patriots broadcast is the most annoying thing in the world. Yes, they are. I watched that game. I watched part of it, and I, it's fine to root for your team that you're, yeah. you know, calling because Mick Mixon and uh, Mike Rucker and Eugene Robinson do it too. It's fine. I don't really care. I I drown out the broadcast for the most part anyway. Mm-hmm. But when Tom Brady. And Julian Edelman are on the bench, and they're laughing and talking. Don't narrate and make up a conversation. <laughs> well, that's a great catch. No, nah, man, it's a great throw. Yeah. yeah, it's a great throw. No, it's a great catch. That's so dumb. Yeah, Please don't do that. Like Jacksonville scored like a 97-yard touchdown, and the broadcaster was like, oh, yep, that's going to be a touchdown. Well, we'll be back yeah. after this. It's like, okay, I know that that's not your team, but like, like Mick Mixon and them like, would at least be like, oh, that's a touchdown. Like, they, you know raise their voice, make it sound like a good play, make it, you know, it's exciting yeah. football. You know, you don't have to just, like, actively root against the team you brought, you're calling a game for or against. Hi, Brian. How are you? Very good. You've been quiet. <laughs> you guys have had a very good conversation, so I've just been letting you go. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> Well, I guess, yeah, you said you didn't really get the chance to see much other preseason action beside the Panthers, right? Nope. So, I, I mean... Well, let's talk about other preseason games since Brian did not watch any okay. and he can't talk. Um, <laughs> Brian which rookie quarterback up. did you think looked the best? Trubisky. Um, yeah, that's who I was going to say, too. Definitely Deshaun Watson because he was the only one I watched play. <laughs> he did look good, too, though. <laughs> Deshaun Watson did look good, and they I know people good. are hating on him on CSR, but he looked good. He looked fine. I mean, he was patient. He took what the defense gave him. He, you know, slid, moved out of the pocket. He didn't panic. He didn't make any bad plays. Yes, he can't throw it 80 yards on his knees on a rope, but they don't need him to do that. I mean, yeah. you know, that happen- That play is needed like once every three weeks, so at at, at best. So, yeah. It's not like he was incompetent. Like, yeah, I watched. I'll get to this later, but I watched the Jets and Titans game. Um, so you should Ugh. have pity on me. 
it's not like with Christian Hackenberg, who looked like he was just incapable of throwing the ball more than 10 yards. Like, Watson didn't push it much, which is understandable. I mean, this is his first professional game. But it's not like the, the couple times where he did, you know, he made some throws 10, 15 yards down the field. He was putting them in the right spot. It's not like his accuracy completely broke down once he got past the first down marker. It was just he didn't force it down the field too much, which is fine. Yeah, and- it's playing within his skill set. That's, yeah, it's fine, and, and it pains me greatly to say positive things about Deshaun Watson because I've hated him for four years, but he's going to be a good quarterback too, and that's okay. It it doesn't it doesn't infringe on Cam, uh, you know. So we we can be positive about you know Deshaun Watson, and I thought Mitch Trubisky won the starting job for the Bears, and if they don't start him now and let him just take his lumps, they're going to go three and thirteen anyway. Exactly. Five and eleven, maybe if the ball rolls in their favor, you know, one or two games. But let Trubisky play. Just let him play and let him take his lumps. Let him lose. Let him get it out. He's better than Mike Glennon. He's better than whoever their other two Mark quarterbacks Sanchez. are. Mark Sanchez. Yeah, he's better. <laughs> Definitely I mean, better. He's better. <clears throat> just he looked. I know it was the preseason. I know it was against the you know, second, third, fourth string of um, Denver, whatever. I mean, he looked good. He moved the ball. He he knew went what to do, and more importantly, he knew what not to do. So, you know, don't be an idiot. Don't let <laughs> Glennon ruin your chance at building something. Let the kid play. Lose, you know, 13, 14 games. Draft first or second. Yeah, they get him the a left tackle. I don't know if they're going to outsuck the Jets. They're not going to outsuck the Jets, but you know they'll <laughs> pick third, second, or third. Get him a left tackle and build around him in free agency. Sign somebody who's a free agent, like a wide receiver. You know, you know, get you Alshon know, Jeffrey build the running game agent. up. Al, Alshon Jeffrey would have been, yeah, that would have been a good idea. But you the know. the only counter I have to that BW is David Carr. Um. David Carr would probably have been a good quarterback were it not for the fact that he got the crap kicked out of him for his first few years as a Texans quarterback. That's a fair argument. I think it makes a lot of sense to let Glennon be the quarterback behind their offensive line that isn't as bad as people make it sound. I mean, they have Kyle Long and they have some other guys that I I can't give you the names, but they're not terrible. Um, You know, they have their, they have a, a decent running game. They've got a, a decent front seven building up in Chicago, but throwing Mitch Trubisky out there when you have Mike Glennon, who's essentially on a one-year contract or a five-year contract, depending on if you want to, when you want to waive him, you know, it makes sense to let Trubisky sit and let Glennon either win or lose. So I'm not, a, uh, I'm not necessarily against what they're doing. I think that they're doing the right thing. With, uh, yeah, it's a fair running. argument to say, you know, use um, David Carr in, in Houston. The only counter I would give to that, Houston was an expansion team when they drafted David Carr. You know, so they were going to they, they, they were going to be terrible anyway. Right. Um, you know, the Bears, they're not very good, but they're better than an expansion team that had no experience playing together at all. And I think their offensive line is a little bit more uh, seasoned or, you know, 
whatever word you want to use, experienced together than Houston's was. And I think they will at least keep Trubisky on his feet enough to where he won't be completely shell-shocked and won't turn into David Carr. And that that wasn't my exact argument. I wasn't saying the Bears' offensive line is like, you know, second, third-string talent the whole way. But at the same time, like, quarterbacks develop bad habits when their offensive line isn't as good or they're not ready for it. I mean, Jimmy Clausen was a great example. He he developed really bad habits and threw the ball way, way too fast. I mean, for God's sakes, we called him Captain Checkdown because that was what he did all the time. You know, in the NFL as a rookie quarterback, no matter how good your offensive line is, defensive coordinators are going to pressure you. They're going to blitz you. They're going to make you make a decision quickly. And you don't want to break your quarterback and make them more conservative than they should be right away. So, I mean, you throw Glenn into the Wolves since you've already paid him for this year and then let Trubisky take over next year unless Glennon suddenly turns out to be, like, the savior of your franchise. I mean, it just makes too much sense to have Glennon be your starter this year. I think Well, they never should have signed him in the first place. No, I don't disagree. (laughs) I don't disagree with that at all. Don't get me wrong. Like, they should not be in this situation. But to make the boat the most of it, make Glennon the guy who takes the lumps. I guess it makes sense. It depends on how much you trust your supporting cast of your offense if you think they can go out and not get your quarterback killed if you're going to lose it's it's i guess it depends on your your line of thinking it's like if you're going to lose do you lose while risk giving your rookie quarterback the yips or do you lose while giving your young quarterback the reps um so i guess it just depends on how they feel about their supporting cast i think Trubisky's poised enough more poised than david carr was and that even if he does get pressured and beat up a little bit that he won't completely melt down mentally but I obviously don't know him or haven't seen enough of him to say that for certain. Yeah, it's a tough call. I mean, I I wouldn't want to be the one making it, but I, you know, I just, I don't understand the whole, what they were thinking behind it. You know, they give Mike Glennon three years, what is it, $48 million That's or some lot. crazy number. I mean, it's a lot of money for Mike Glennon while um, Colin Kaepernick is still out there. <laughs> um, but, you know, why would you do that and then make probably the dumbest trade on draft day and move up to number two overall to take Trubisky when the team you were trading with wasn't going to take him anyway? Do you know? I mean, what? Well, here's the only counter I have to that. Um, Glennon's contract, essentially, from what I saw of the con- of like the structure of it, after the first year, if they cut him, it's not a huge loss to the Bears. Yeah, they can. Yeah. Well, that makes number, it, that makes it better. Number two, we say okay, the Bears traded up one spot to get Glenn, to get Trubisky. But we don't know who else was going for that spot. So the Bears traded up essentially to guarantee that they would get yeah. Trubisky. Yeah, I understand so, it. I would have done it. So, but. like, we see it now retro- in a retroactive sense because Trubisky was literally going to be there for their next pick because the team before them was not going to do it. But who was going to trade up to take him? Because somebody was. It's not like the Bears were 
just doing that just to ensure they got him. Somebody was talking to the to the 49ers about that. So well, the 49ers at least made it sound like that. I thought I came I heard something a few days ago. And hell, maybe they John, got played. Maybe they, they did. did get played. But they, John Lynch at the came same out and said time, that they said, "Yeah, we didn't have any other offers. It was just the Bears." But the Bears. Didn't I, know that I don't. I don't remember reading that. But I regardless, I, I mean, like at the same time, if you think if you think about it, like let's look back at 2010 slash 2011. You know, let's say the Panthers was the second round, were the second pick, and uh, obviously Vaughn Miller was the pick. Do you think, like, I would, I wouldn't have been super upset if the Panthers traded up to get Cam Newton now in retrospect, but obviously the Mitchell Trubisky pick is so recent where we don't know where he's going to play. So, you know, you you got to be bold anymore in the NFL because head coaches, GMs. You know, team presidents—they can go, come and go within one to five years. So, you got to yeah, be bold to try and make your your franchise work. You know, but speaking of all this Chicago stuff, uh, you know who doesn't get enough pity from the general sports fans? Uh, Chicago fans dealing with just to make a quick little dab on another sport. The Bulls front office makes no sense with any decisions they ever make, and the Bears are <laughs> right there with them. So. Not only are they fans of teams that are bad, they're fans of teams whose decisions never make any sense. So that's got to be pretty <laughs> disheartening. Well, in a way, yeah. I mean, people your age, um, I can kind of feel sorry for you if you're a Bulls fan. But oh, you know, yeah. people my age, you have no sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> because when phone. I was when I was into into the NBA, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, you know. Tony, they made Tony Kukoc a freaking superstar in the NBA. So, you know, Chicago, they had their decade of dominance. <laughs> and, yeah, it was the 90s, but you don't get to complain because Jordan destroyed every other franchise's hopes and dreams for, like, eight solid years. And, you know, you get to live in those glory days. And that was when the NBA was good, before we had, like, one team winning all the games and stuff, right? Exactly. I mean, that was <laughs> that was back when the NBA was more competitive. I mean, instead of, you know, it being Golden State and Cleveland every year, it was, you know, it was Chicago, the Knicks, and the Utah Jazz. I mean, it was it was way different. Yeah, and then, like, way, um, and before that one, it was way better back when it was, like, the Celtics and the Lakers every single year. It was, yeah, the so Celtics and better. the Lakers instead of <laughs> Golden State, you know, San Antonio and Cleveland. Yeah. It, it was way better and way different. <laughs> So yeah, that's our bat. Cat Scratch Reader talks basketball. Yeah. Um. So while we we're on the quarterback, back on the quarterbacks, I mentioned briefly the Christian Hackenberg thing. So you know, doing a little scouting for our upcoming opponent, I put myself through that Titans Jets game, and remember, and I referenced it in my preview, and you mentioned it in your like your first look ahead at the next opponent, and I agree that game was so bad. Like, yeah, it's, it's like awful. It's like if you put like a video game and like the players that are like rated in like the fifties and sixties, and you put them out on the field, and like everything's just a little off. Like the quarterback's throws are kind of like a little behind the receivers, and then the receivers don't catch it unless it goes like straight between the numbers, and like everything's just a little sloppier. That's exactly how that game looked. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and you know, the only so- the only um solace that um titans fans can really pull from it 
is their starters didn't play that much. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's really the only positive because they their depth looked really, really bad. And they better hope that Marcus Mariota is healthy. Well, yeah. That's, that's, you know, they have to hope for that. Because if, if there's any chance that Alex Tanning gets in a game. Well, if, so there were two scores in that game. The Jets had a touchdown on their first drive, and the Titans had a field goal in like their first drive in the second half. In both of those drives, the only reason those teams got close was because of a big play. Like the Jets had a long ball over the top that Robbie Anderson made a real good catch on, and the Titans had another long ball over the top that their rookie, I can't remember his name right now, Taylor or something caught. Taylor like, on Taylor? Yeah. And it was like there was no sustained drives. The only way their drive, the ball got down the field was if they made like one flute shot down the field. And then so like for the Titans that we're about to play, I guess Matt Castle's their backup solid there. But um, Alex Tanney behind their backup offensive line was a combination of a quarterback with no pocket presence whatsoever behind an offensive line that couldn't hold their blocks for more than a second and a half, and it was just a brutal combination. Yeah. He he took he slid. He took a sack by sliding. He slid in the pocket. He like <laughs> he he like Jesus. He, he got he felt like a pressure and he started to roll out and there's a defender and he turned back around and saw like up oh, there's a lot of and just he just gave up. He just quit. Just slid like six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Just, you, that can't be the best option on that play, Alex. There's got to be something better you can do. It was it see was, that's the kind of that's the kind of situation where I I really think that Garrett Gilbert's going to get picked up by somebody <laughs> because there's no way he's worse than that, and there's no way he's worse than the three guys on the Jets. There's just there's no possible way. Hey, f- fun fact about Alex Tanny, he almost he pushed for a camp for a Peyton Manning's record of most consecutive completions in a in an NFL game when he was a backup two years ago for the he Titans. Did. He did. How did that happen? Because Seriously. <laughs> I I don't know, but I was watching that game. I mean, my brother and I were joking about how uh Tanny was uh getting his uh jacket sized for Canton, much like Brenton Burson. So how many how many was he short? <laughs> I don't remember. I just know it was like 15, 16, 17, or 18 consecutive passes completed. That's amazing. Yeah, because yeah, see, now I wanted him to do it because I like chaos, and I think it would be awesome that if an NFL record by a quarterback that like that's a positive record would be held by somebody named Alex Tanny. Like Nick you know, Foles having the record Tate, for That no one ever will know, yeah. Yeah. With his, what, he had, what, oh 28 God. touchdowns and two interceptions that one year? Yeah. <laughs> so Tom Brady matched it. So it's like, who's got the NFL record for most, the best touchdown interception ratio in the season? Is that Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, or Brett, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning? No, it's uh, it's Nick Foles. Duh. Yeah. That guy had one good year, and he's like a, couldn't even play start, he couldn't play quarterback for the Rams, except Jared Goff and Case Keenum. But that Titans and Jets game, so we have Alex Tanny, who, like I said, is just like running around with a chicken without a head in the backfield, launching the ball deep every other throw and not even coming close to his receivers. And then you know, on the other side, you have Christian Hackenberg, who's throwing the ball no further than five yards on the field repeatedly, and the Titans are just like, eh, that's fine. And then eventually, because they're all bad, he either misses a th- an easy throw or a wide receiver drops it, and then the drive stalls and they punt. It was, it was like that for the entire game. I don't know how Titans yeah. and Jets fans watch that. 
I mean, Sounds I guess like I the 2010 did, Panthers. It was basically it was so bad. Yeah, the the Jets are going to be like the 2010 Panthers. It's they are exactly going to be, be like. really, really bad. They might win one game. I mean, they're going to be terrible. You know, the the 2010 Panthers got lucky that we played an equally crappy Cardinals and 49ers team that year because that's the only reason we didn't go 0 and 16. Because, yeah. you know, we were that awful. And the Jets are the same way. There is no way they're winning more than two games. Especially it's just not. Uh, especially I just heard that uh, Christian McCa- or, uh, Hackenberg was taking first-team reps in practice this week. Yeah. Dude can't even break the huddle. Like, it, <laughs> it was reported on Twitter, like, last week. Yeah. That they had to stop practice. And the coaches had to tell him how to break the huddle. And... <laughs> You know, I could probably do that. <laughs> he, you know, he, I can't go up and throw a 50-yard rope downfield to a tight end or nothing, but I could break the huddle. I could be like, you know, okay, break. I could do yeah. that. I Christian Hackenberg, I think I, – as I'm watching it and I'm doing the, the – I'm making – I'm doing my own version of the, uh, the condensed broadcast of every play. I'm hitting like the fast-forward button twice to skip ahead 30 seconds. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting there watching this, and Christian – and Hackenberg's like – I'm like, I don't think I've seen him throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. And like two plays later, he throws a go route, and I, I think it landed outside of the whites of the of the sideline. Like it was like four yards out of bounds. It's it's wow. it's it's that was the only throw he attempted more than like 10 yards down the field. So I don't. Sorry, Jets fans. It's gonna be a rough one. Yeah, but you'll get the number one pick, and you'll you'll get to draft the best player in college, and you'll instantly boo him and hate him. You know, <laughs> you have that to look forward to. Isn't it supposed to be a good quarterback class? Yeah, He's Baker Mayfield's back. probably going to be the number one pick. So at least I got that to look forward to. Though just yeah. like our mm-hmm. our old CSR days, where we they're going to get <laughs> they're going to have their version of Blaine Gabbert versus Cam Newton versus not quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm curious now. I'm going to look up who the quarterback class is. So, do you think teams are ever going to wise up and just know when, like, you know, we were bad this year, but there's no good, there aren't any good quarterbacks in this draft. Let's wait again for next year, because like, obviously, it's it's a little bit premature since it's only been one week of preseason, but all of the first round rookies looked, or and Kaiser too, looked, you know, they like looked apart at least. They looked poised. They looked under control. It looks like they knew what they were doing. Last year's rookie class besides Dak was Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Paxton Lynch. And yeah. all of them seem like, like Carson Wentz seems like the best of the bunch and he's far from good. And he's mediocre. Like, yeah. And it's well, like, the, do you think teams will ever be like, eh, maybe we'll wait till next year. Or are they always just going to be like, well, this is our, this is all we got. We got to take the best quarterback gonna, here. They, they will always take their shot. They're not going to, try to intentionally suck two years in a row um well the big difference this year though is that they're giving those guys a chance to learn behind someone else and not just immediately handing them the reins yeah yeah the jets can't do that though because they don't have anybody um right they can draft draft sam darnold quarterback from southern cal josh allen from wyoming lamar jackson from louisville that would be interesting josh rosen from ucla um, let's see, Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma, Luke Falk from Washington State. Somebody's going to draft him and realize that air raid quarterbacks do not translate to the NFL. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, there's the Jake Browning from Washington. He's gonna he's gonna oh, probably wow. be a high pick. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of guys that are coming out next year that that could be picked by the Jets, and I don't think any of them are really gonna help. <laughs> they're just they're just so bad everywhere else. They're yeah, also- they're they're terrible. I mean, they they don't have a quarterback, but or they also. They don't have wide receivers. Their number one wide receiver who got hurt, by the way, he's on IR now. Nobody even knew who the hell he was. Like, I don't even remember I his didn't. name. I remember um, Quincy and Nunwa. Well, we were sitting yeah, at lunch. Nunwa. We were at lunch at training camp, and I brought it up. And I was like, yeah, this is how bad the Jets are. And I mentioned that Quincy and Nunwa was their number one wide receiver. And Walker just, like, busted out laughing. He's like, that's really their number one wide receiver? I said, yeah, sure yeah. is. And now he's not. Now he's... Number one wide receiver is Robbie Anderson. They'll yeah. be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> At least they do have, have a decent running back. I mean, I'll give them that. Yeah, the two of them. I mean, Forte yeah, is like 47 years old, but, there, but yeah. he's useful. And uh, Bilal Powell's good. But they're going to fall victim to everybody knows they're going to give the ball to one of those two. So they're going to be facing nine-man boxes all year, and they don't have the weapons on the outside or the quarterback to get it to them to, to counterbalance. It's going to be just like the Panthers were in 2010. You know, we faced – I think we faced 10-man boxes at one point because they knew that Jimmy Clausen wasn't going to be able to throw the ball. They're putting 11 so, men in the box. They're literally yeah, not there was like the There was receivers. nobody behind, like 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. If he could have gotten the ball away, we could have scored every time. But he couldn't. The other team's putting the field goal block unit in against our, our offense. Yeah. Um, fun oh, speaking start. of field goal blocks, do you see where the kicker that they replaced Aguayo with had his first kick blocked? I didn't see that. Jesus. <laughs> it was an Four extra bucks. point, too. Oh, that's how they have 12 points Four right now. bucks. Yeah, that's how they have 12 points. <laughs> I would imagine they chased the they chased the extra point and went for two and didn't get it. That would probably uh, make sense. Oh, uh, what was I going to say? Is something else about the Jets? Oh, free fantasy tip: the Jets are going to lose a lot. Losing means throwing a lot. Their quarterbacks yes. won't throw the ball at the field. Bilal Powell, good fantasy pickup. Yes, Bilal Powell should be the number one pick in fantasy. <laughs> I don't go uh, that far, oh. but he's he's yeah. Go ahead and pick him, BW. That's fine. Especially if you're in CSR two and you have the first pick, take Bilal Powell. Just free tip for all you fantasy football free players. Free tip. Oh, boy. But, yeah, I think he'll be good. Definitely a targeted player. Um, I'm sharing this with you guys that I play in a fantasy league with. So, good point. Good good move on my part. But I think we all know that already anyway. All right. Well, um you guys got anything else to add before we uh, close out look. this podcast? I have a lot of I've been I've been like filling out this notes note on my phone like all week when stuff just pops in my head about stuff I want to talk about. Um, no, we got it all. Just remember, Brock Osweiler is still bad. Also, yep. The Kinda Cleveland Browns may start him. That's the thing that may actually <laughs> happen. So yeah. Um, BW, you got anything to, that you want to add? Go Panthers. I'm excited. Keep pounding. I'm excited for this, the day preseason game. They kind of feel like real football games. I kind of get a little extra enjoyment out of that. 
They do yeah, kind of the feel only, like that. Yeah, they do. The only thing I don't like about it, and I guess it's just me being, you know, a Gen Xer who's married with kids, 3 o'clock on a Saturday sucks because that ruins my whole day. Oh, you know, see, I can do whatever I want, so. Yeah, I know. You can do whatever you want because <laughs> you're a lazy millennial just like Brian. But, um, hey, I know, work till 1, all right? Oh, me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't mind it being, you know, kind of like, a, oh, this is, this is a big deal because it's on a, a, you know, it's a prime time quote unquote game. I just wish it was a little later in the day. Like a four o'clock, six o'clock, like five, six o'clock, seven o'clock, something like that. I, I would prefer that over three o'clock on Saturday, but you know, I can't really complain too much because, you know, we have one o'clock on Sunday. You know, and every game, you know, play. same difference every week. So, um, but it does, it does beat, you know, eight o'clock on Wednesday night. Yeah. It's a weird time. I know you'll probably, well, I don't know about you. You'll be, might be busy, but uh, I'm looking forward to waking up, watching Premier League soccer all up until Panthers kick off. Oh, yeah. Arsenal all play at 1230. I already have that set. Fo- football and football. It's, it, this this yeah, is a good I'm, primer I'm for the regular season. That, yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping it doesn't take too long on Arsenal Stoke because you know it's pushing it. It's well, it's it's that's how like all my Sundays are. As I watch I watch soccer right up until the the one o'clock kickoffs, and Tampa Bay just missed another field goal. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Breaking news for all you guys listening to this on Friday: Tampa Bay missed a field goal uh, it, with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter last night. See, and this is what I would probably like um, vocally root for Aguayo if he would post the Kermit drinking tea meme on Twitter. Like, right now. <laughs> yes, he really, he really, really should because I don't know if you've seen the video of him getting released. I did. You know, they showed they showed a clip of it from Hard Knocks. They bring him in and they sit him down, and the guy, the general manager, goes, "You know, this is really difficult." sometimes or whatever and then he goes uh we're gonna release you and that was it he didn't say uh, aguayo didn't say a word aguayo never he never said a word he just just kind of looked at him and kind of nodded his head and then walked out (laughs) it was awkward as hell it was yeah i saw that it was it was it hurt it hurt to watch yeah but so He's gone. Problem solved. Now they're just missing all their kicks anyway. Uh, that's Actually, I'm going to take care of the Aguayo drinking tea meme right now, and I'm going to tweet it myself. <laughs> Good call. Well, if that's all we got to talk about, so. um, yeah, I think we're covered. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the uh, CSR Fourth and Short podcast. This is john brad and myself brian and uh we'll catch you guys next week if you have any maybe brad maybe brad will go back to his uh easy takes he seems to have tried to get away from those this week but we'll see so it feels a little randy when we got two podcasts in one week you get a little start thinking outside the box a little bit Yeah. yeah yeah um if you guys have any questions that you want us to answer or stuff you want us to talk about Email catscratchreader at gmail.com, and that's reader with R-E-A-D-R, like the Twitter handle. It's in the it's in this post that this podcast is linked in. Email us stuff if you want us to talk about stuff. 
you know, make this interactive experience and make us do less work of coming up with ideas to talk about. Yeah, that's the main thing we want. We want to do less work. You guys tell us what to talk about. We just talk about it, and then you listen and and wreck. Very eloquent. Very eloquent. All right. I'll see you guys Everybody, next week. Yes, catch you next week. Later. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details.
My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.